As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Melissa Morris. As the founder of a project management and operations consultancy for agency owners, Melissa Morris uses her 10 years of agency experience to help business owners maximize their team, increase their productivity, and grow their profits. Firmly committed to breaking the long hours and bad pay stigma that plagues the agency world, Melissa and her team help business owners and their team members do the work they love without sacrificing client satisfaction, the bottom line, or their own sanity. In this conversation, Melissa and I are talking all about agencies and operations. We talk about what is an agency and how you might be running one, even though you don't think that you are. Why you really need to evaluate your workflows before hiring. And we also talk about the relationship between operations and profitability. Because as you go to scale your business and grow your team, you don't want to sacrifice profits. So how can you serve your clients and have the team that you need and still make the profits that you want? So let's jump into the conversation and learn all about running effective agencies with Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Yes. Can you kick us off with telling us about yourself and your business? Yes. So I worked in ad agencies for about 10 years. And at my time in those agencies, I spent a lot of time as an account manager. So I was managing deadlines, budgets. I worked at a boutique agency. And so I wore a lot of hats and I really got a good behind the scenes 
of what goes on in running an agency, things you can do really well, things that maybe are going not so well. And that alongside my natural tendency to create efficiencies and my type A and systems and processes type of brain um, led me to, even within those agencies, begin creating efficiencies. One of the agencies I worked for, I completely reworked the project management tool that we were using quite selfishly, just because I needed it to work better um, and others benefited. Um, but it was during this time that I really started to see that agencies and people who provide a service to other businesses, it's really a different kind of animal. And there's a lot of moving pieces that need to be attended to. So I founded Agency Authority. So we are a project management and operations consultancy for agency owners. And we help business owners to maximize their team, increase productivity so that ultimately they're increasing their profits. Awesome. So I'm so excited to have you on the show today because I first heard your name through Angie Trueblood. And I know she's talked about you before and you were on her podcast the other month. And I remember thinking, I was just like, you know, I'm going to have to reach out to Angie at some point in time and get a connection to Melissa because I think she'd be great coming on the Growing Your Team podcast. And then you reached out and I'm just like, ah, everything's just falling in alignment. So so yeah, it's yeah, like, I'm it so is. Excited. Yeah, Angie's great. Yeah, we yeah. we did talk, and um, yeah, she's wonderful. I love how these things all kind of come together perfectly, don't they? Yes, yes, they definitely do. Like I, I met Angie, gosh, four or five years ago now at a conference, and she's just a great person. It, great person to know. So, but yeah, so like, but what she shared about that, that you helped her through with her business and then like what you're doing for other businesses. I think this is super, super important because too often we make things, I think, complicated in our business and we don't really realize that we're doing it because we're in the day-to-day, we're building things from the ground up and we're, we're jumping at new uh, opportunities and new ideas. And we're adding layers that we don't realize our complicated things and we forget to remove layers when they no longer serve our business. But one of the questions that I have before we really get started is, can you help us better understand the term agency? Because I know from my mind, when I first started in business, I'm like agency, I came from like a marketing background. So I'm thinking marketing agency. And that was like my mind with agency was like kind of marketing. But I know agency is a term that really fits other types of businesses and other industries as well. So for our listeners, they might not know that they're actually, that they actually have an agency, that that's the type of business model that they have. So can you define that for us? I am so, so glad that you asked that question because you are absolutely right. And I have even worked with agency owners who were maybe in a bit of denial that they had an agency or weren't sure or were talking about growing an agency. And I'm thinking, but you already have an agency. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that is a really great, a great question. So when I say agency, what I'm talking about is when we have some people will call it a firm. Um, I mean, even some people just refer to themselves as a business, a consultancy, But pretty much if you are doing a done-for-you service for another business owner and you have a team of people who are also delivering on that service, right? So this may mean a team of bookkeepers. Um, This may be a team of HR consultants, or it could be 
a website design company or a branding company, but pretty much you are not the only person like you and a team of people are delivering work to a client. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of businesses are agencies and it's, it's kind of weird. Cause you said like people want to kind of avoid that. They're like, no, 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 I'm not creating an agency. And it's like, wait, why is there that negativity around agencies? Like you know, why would people is it, do you think it's just the lack of understanding of what an agency is that, that that's why they're like, no, that's not me. Or do you think that there's some negative thoughts around agencies? I think there is some negative thoughts sometimes around agencies, especially when we think back to the, the stereotypical ad agency where you're working these long hours and, you know, thinking of the show Mad Men with the 10 o'clock dinners with t clients and really these long hours, um, sometimes low pay, um, always feeling like at the beck and call of your client. And sometimes, especially when you're in that creative space, it can feel that way. And I think as service providers, knowing how important that client experience is and delivering a really great client experience, we can get ourselves stuck where we feel like we are beholden to what the client wants. And really, we should be the, the leader in the relationship, not the other way around. And I think so many times we get stuck. And so then you think of this mindset of, oh, well, if I'm an agency, I'm just beholden to the client and I have to do what they say. And I have these long work hours and then I have to pay my team members and then there's nothing left for me at the end. And, and so I think it can get a bit of a stigma around it. But the good news is that is not what it has to be like. And that's what agency authority helps agencies do is get out of that. Yes. Yeah. Because no one wants to be in that position. And I know very well for from being a service provider and talking to other service providers, there's always kind of that aha moment, that that switch where you realize that you're, you're kind of at the beck and call for your clients. You're doing, even though you, you're like, I have these packages that I'm selling, it's turning into, I have this package that I use as a base point, but now this mm -hmm. client wants this, this client wants this, this client wants this. And every client I have is really um, their own unique thing. And I think sometimes we fall into that trap is like, but I provide custom services for my clients. And there's that thing, it's like, you can provide custom services for your clients without providing custom packages for your clients. Yes. And I think people get confused too, that you can provide a really great client experience without bending and flexing what you offer in your price and when you're available. And you're exactly right. When we're creating these custom packages or letting that, I see it too, where you know, I have an agency and they say, well, this client wants this report and this client wants me to do this special phone call with them. And this client wants, and that is a major red flag to me that there are some ops issues going on within the agency, because you are exactly right. When we're creating all these custom and packages and offering little bonuses and this and that, um, what we're doing is we're, we're bloating the scope of the project. And we're going to end up doing work that we're not getting paid to do. It is increasingly difficult to allow a team member to serve a client because each client has their own little quirk and their own special little treatment that they need. So it's really difficult for your team member to manage the client. And it creates a lot of inconsistency among the client experience. Yes. Yes. I think that last one is super important. You know, when this client's getting this and this client's getting that, but 
they all signed up for the same thing. And, you know, what if those clients end up kind of, kind of talking and communicating, like they run into each other at a networking event. They somehow they're like, oh yeah, we both work for so-and-so. And the more they talk about it, it's like, wait, but I didn't get that. My experience was different. Did I not get what I paid for when really in reality, they probably both got way more than they paid for. <laughs> they probably both did, but you're absolutely right. Now it's this conversation has been opened and well, they're not getting that. Well, they are getting, why did you get that? And there could be a little bit of um, discontent there, but they also don't know the five bonuses they were getting that that client <laughs> wasn't get. getting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of like the, some things that you really notice that uh, people are doing wrong when they're building their agencies and how they can fix those things? Give us some quick tips. Yeah. So we definitely touched on one of them is just allowing for a lot of tweaking and customization of your offers. Another, another misstep I see is the operations piece thinking, you know, of this through that lens is their tools, their processes begin to be very haphazard and patch together. So another red flag that um, you've got some ops issues going on, and this may be creating some overwhelm and frustration for you, is if you find you have a project management tool, but then you also have like two spreadsheets you're using to manage your projects. Your project management tool should be managing those spreadsheets, right? Um, or you say you have a CRM, but then you're still manually sending your proposals and your contracts and your onboarding documents. So coming back and looking at tools, because as your agency grows, and yes, maybe it's time to confess you actually have one, as your agency grows, um, the way you did things when you had, you know, a hundred K business to now when you have a half a million dollar a business has probably looks very different. And that old Trello board that worked when it was you and a couple of team members got to a point where it wasn't cutting it anymore. But instead of looking at the whole piece, you added on a spreadsheet and you added on that word document, and then you built in a Slack channel and you start to create a little bit of, of, of a Frankenstein business there. And it's, it just creates a lot of in, inefficiencies and it's a major time suck. Yes. Yes. I was just recently talking to a business owner that's getting to the point where they recognize that they have to start adding to their team and they will be building an agency out. And one of the things that they are talking about, they're like, I know I need help with the hiring portion of it, but they're also like, oh, I feel like I need to really evaluate my systems and my processes. So they came first and we were talking, they're like, well, what do I do first? Do I hire or do I get my systems and processes in order? And I told, I told this business owner, I was like, you have to start getting your systems and processes in order first, because you need to start thinking about that as like, how do I bring another person into this? How do I communicate it? And then sometimes like, I think it's like what you were saying, Melissa, is you're going to realize that what got you here is not the right thing to move you forward. That yes, having this worked for one person, but this is not going to work when you have two people that are working within a client, or when you have two people that are working with separate clients and you want to provide that same client experience. So it's like getting those systems and processes in place first is super important, or at least evaluating everything. So you know, what do you actually do to service a client? How do you get from point A to point Z for this? So you can actually know what you're hiring a team member to do. That was, and that was really, really solid advice because you are absolutely right. 
and I, I want to make a distinction too between, between processes and workflows and SOPs, because what I will see agency or business owners do sometimes is they recognize that there may be some ops things going on and they're making that effort to shore that up and they jump right to writing down SOPs. But what I always encourage my agency owners to do first is take a look at their workflows because that is going to uncover efficiencies, inefficiencies, redundancies, gaps, because what we don't want to do is start documenting a broken workflow. So what that means is if they're, like we talked about, we still have this spreadsheet over here and we have the project management tool and then we update it, but this client does a little different. So we're writing our SOP and we're like, except when it's this client. So you're probably going to find as you're starting to write the SOP that things aren't really flowing as well as they should be. So what you want to do is you want to look at your workflow first, the client experience, the delivery, who's handling what. And that's the stuff that you want to document. Don't get too caught up in the every little sentence because that will get you stuck and it will delay hiring when you probably do need support. And what's also useful is when you're moving yourself through, through your workflow and looking at the different steps, it will really start to help you understand who is the next best hire as well, because it can be easy to think, well, we'll just get an admin support, or I just need another designer, or I just need another bookkeeper. But until you actually get some workflows mapped out and start figuring out where the gaps are, you're not sure. And then you end up bringing on a hire. It's not the right fit. Things aren't really working. You're not saving time. And ultimately it, it just didn't go well. Yeah, you're totally speaking my language there, Melissa. Like that's and that's exactly what I continued on telling this person. I was just like, the person you think you need to hire today might not be the person that you need to hire once you figure out your processes, your workflows, and everything. You know, it's it's very easy to think that you need one person, but actually work that position completely out once you have everything organized. Like, um, you know, with it, so I have uh, a background in Lean Six Sigma from back when I was in corporate. And I remember the very first project that I was working on, it was like almost tedious, the person who was facilitating it being like, okay, well, what happens here? Like, and we're just like, well, that person just does the work and they hand it on. They're like, no, let's think about like every little thing. Like, what do they do? Why are they handing it to this person? And it was just like, once you really mapped everything out, it was just like, why are we doing it that way? Like, why am I like, what I'm bringing this person in for this little thing that it doesn't make sense. And to get it to that person, it's like the time it takes. And it's just like, okay. And once you map it out, like this process that you thought was like the way it needed to be was just like, that is a jumbled mess. Let's simplify this. And we are able to like work out so much stuff and actually create like an efficient process for things. Oh, now you're speaking my love language because that is a very similar process that I take my clients through. It's like, and then what happens and why, and why are we doing it that way? And why are we doing it? Why is like my favorite question? <laughs> like why? And, and tell me more is like my second favorite phrase because you are exactly like, that's exactly what we're getting at is once this is mapped out and you may even identify an opportunity. Why don't you automate that? Why are we going to hire somebody to do this thing that could be automated or to back and forth this when the client doesn't even need it, right? If we ask why, we dig deeper. Um, and then you may find, like, like you said, who you thought you needed to hire, you don't even need anymore. 
Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I want to go back and talk a little bit about, you know, packages and stuff. Cause you just mentioned something that got triggered a re uh, memory for me. And it's like, you're offering things the client doesn't even need. And like, that was one of the things that when my, when I first created my packages, I was like, I want to give everything. And I realized I had this extremely bloated package that was taking me so much time to put together. And the people that were buying that package didn't need half the stuff that I was putting in there. They were never using it. And, but they were still buying the package because it had the things that they needed. And once I started talking to those clients of like, and really figuring out, oh, you only need this. I was able to cut out so many hours of work and still charge the same thing because they were paying for what they needed and just kind of taking all this bloat for, for free that they were never going to look at. Yes. And that's exactly why it's so important to go through that process of mapping out your workflow and asking all of those questions, because I do see that where sometimes I see this in the form of like reports or like update emails, or they provide all these all these resources or materials or videos. And it turns out their client never even looks at it. Like they hired you to do the work. And then once they've done it, they're like, cool. Like, I don't really need those videos or those resources or all of those links or that portal you created. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there is, sometimes there are pieces that are really valuable, but monitor that. And a lot of times as the agency owner, you start to realize you're like, Hmm, all of those Loom videos always have zero views. They're just not watching them. Or I create this, you know, Google slide deck that walks them through this whole thing. And they still just ask me to do it anyway. Like they're still just going to call me. They're going to ask the question and I'm going to end up talking them through it anyway. So there's two pieces there. You can certainly get rid of some bloat, the things that they don't need, they don't want, let's get rid of. And if there are things where you're spending a lot of time in a presentation that you're sending or this, and they just want you to get on a phone and talk it through with them, then, then build it in the way that would serve them. And it's easy for them because you could spend an hour creating a Google slide deck or a 15 minute phone call, walking them through it. You're saving time. They're getting it delivered in the way they need it. And we're both walking away, saving time and feeling really good about the, the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also one of those things where it's like just, just meetings in general. I remember with some of my first clients, I'm like, okay, we're going to meet weekly. And it was like, okay, we'd schedule that meeting. We'd get on that meeting and then it'd be like, okay, well, what do we talk about? We have an hour scheduled. So let's make sure we fill this hour. And I started saying, no, like, let's do it. That we'll meet when you need to meet. Like there's certain points in the hiring process that I'm going to say, Hey, yes, we should be meeting now. We should be going over. And because part of like our one package is all about the education. So it's like, let's teach you how to read, review a resume. Let's teach you how to conduct those interviews before you do that. But we don't necessarily need to get on a call weekly. And actually the client experience has gone up where once now that we have the as needed meetings, with suggested meetings throughout the process versus we got to stick to the schedule. We're going to be on each other's calendars every week, whether you like it or not. And it, isn't that so funny because it's counterintuitive, less meetings, improved client satisfaction. Yes. Yeah. Right. Meetings and I've also purpose. meetings with purpose and speaking a little bit to what I was just talking about using meetings with intention, because sometimes too, I think we can feel like meetings are bad don't get them on a calendar, don't do that, um, do it via email or do it via 
uh, a, a video or whatever. And then I've found though, if it is something techie, if you do have a busy business owner, sometimes a meeting saves time, which can also feel counterintuitive. So the key there is, and this is where that operational mindset and that efficiency comes through is really look and evaluate and look for those moments where you're getting stuck, where there's a gap, where there's a drop-off and ask how to, how do you fix that? Because sometimes it's adding a meeting, sometimes it's taking away a meeting, but you don't know until you really evaluate your workflow. And I think asking your team members is a great way too, to get them involved in the workflow process, get their ideas, because sometimes too, this comes back to that, that consistency, not only in the client experience, but also in your team's training and what they can bring to the table. I was working with an agency owner and we had two account managers and through our time tracking, we found one account manager was taking four hours to do something that the other account manager could do in two consistently. So that told me, okay, I want these two account managers to connect and talk because the one who can do it in two hours needs to train and show the one it's taking for how to do this more efficiently, more effectively. And then ultimately, and that person was happy too. This was a tedious test. They didn't want to spend four hours on it. They were, they were grateful for this training, but now you think that's two hours every time they had to do this, every client and you multiply that out over a week, a month, a year, that is a tremendous amount of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's one of those things to look at to say, okay, my way isn't necessarily the best way. And I know that's one of the things like I have to talk to business owners a lot when they're going to go hire for the first time and they're getting tasks off of their plate. They're splitting their role into multiple roles. And it's recognizing that just because you've done it that way does not mean it's the way that it needs to be, that someone else is going to come in with a different perspective. And, you know, you have to then challenge yourself as, is my way necessary or can I accept their way, their suggestion? And I always look at it is, does it impact something that's going to have like an actual impact on the clients? If not, and it's just internal and it's the processes try it someone else's way to see if it's more efficient, that see if it saves time to see, you know, if it's better for you than just sticking to, well, it's the way I did it when I was a business of one. So, or the way I did it when I did this task. So therefore it needs to stick that way. Yeah. That's such a great point. Just to continue to come back to what we've talked about the before, what worked when you had, you know, you or a couple of team members. And now when you've got a growing team and a multi six figure business, it, it's not the same. And the other thing that can be useful is that fresh set of eyes. And that's why I do this operations audit evaluation with business owners, because sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees when you have been in a pattern and you've been doing something so many times over and over again, it's hard to see maybe where it's not very efficient or it's not really automated. And also you don't, you don't always know what you don't know in terms of operations work as well, because I have also worked with business owners who have thought, oh, well, this is actually really streamlined. I wouldn't worry about this process too much. And I say, well, let's just take a look at it anyway. Let's let's take a peek. And once they, you, you just got to shake it up, right? You start asking those questions, you get them out of their normal pattern. And all of a sudden they're, they're thinking, well, 
actually, there are some problems there. There are some moments where I turn into the bottleneck in this process, or I ask that question, why do you put that in Slack in that way? I don't know. No one ever actually looks at it. I'm like, well, maybe we should just stop it. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I have a question about growing your agency. So sometimes as business owners, when we go and create that business, we are so afraid to bring ourselves out of the client experience. And I feel like with agencies, like there's sometimes where you have multiple people serving one client, or then you split it out and you have this person serving one client and this person serving another client. How do you know really what's best? Like if, should there be juniors like within it? Cause if you think like ad agencies, sometimes there's junior account managers working with senior account managers and they split the roles and responsibilities within a client. But then there's other times where it is that complete separate, my client, your client type thing. Is there one that's really better than the other? How do you know what's right for your business? What advice do you have to that business owner who's always been the face to every client to get out of that process and trust their team members to serve a client completely. I, that was a lot I just threw at you. So we can start. No, <laughs> rolling up my sleeves. I'm ready. Um, there And there were a lot of really great questions in there and questions I get asked a lot. And when it comes to this idea of a senior account versus a junior or how you break up that work, unfortunately, I don't think there's a like a hard and fast rule on that because it there are quite a few variables, the type of work, um, the volume of work, how long you've been in business. There, There's too many pieces there to create a hard and fast rule, but I will say that's where it can be really beneficial to get someone in there, get eyes on your operations because getting a handle on the workflow and how you can bundle and group tasks and what tasks need that higher level of experience or strategic thinking versus more of the implementation tasks. You will usually find that when you are giving a service to an, another business, you, you tend to have the higher level strategic need um, and then the implementation piece. And so depending on the size of the business, that becomes one person. Sometimes, like you said, we have a senior and a junior role working it. Sometimes we have what I guess we could call the seniors and then maybe like one admin supporting the seniors. So there are a few ways that that can start to work and look. And I want to come back to also where you mentioned that, you know, that moment when the agency owner knows that they can't be on all the client calls. They can't keep, they're running themselves ragged. They're getting copied on all the emails. They're popping in on all the client calls. Um, I think sometimes there's certainly a bit of a mindset component of that, right? Like this is your baby and you need to start stepping away. But I also think I see this show up when operations aren't shored up. And that is because the agency owner knows there aren't standards in place. Um, there are Communication standards are one of the big ones that I often see. So this is things like, how quickly will I respond to a client's email? Do I want them responding after hours, not after hours? Is within 24 hours okay? Is within 48 hours okay? What happens if a client is disgruntled? What happens if they ask for something outside of scope? Those are those nuanced things that come up and happen with your clients. And then 
we as the agency owner get nervous and we're like, oh, are they going to do the extra work and they're not supposed to? Is the client going to get mad if we missed a deadline? How are we going to handle these things? And number one, the, the main goal is to try to eliminate those. And you do that with a really consistent client experience through solid deliverables. Everybody knows what to expect, really tight timelines and scope. And then also to giving your team guardrails and guidelines on what can they handle themselves? What is a red flag? When will we do, when will we give the extra meeting to the client and it's okay and they can feel empowered to do that? When is it not okay? And I always recommend to telling your team members and your account managers when they need to phone a friend, like when do they need to loop you in? And every one of your account managers should have that list that says if this, 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 or this happens, I need to know about it. Otherwise, you can feel empowered to handle by yourself. And here are some templates, some guidelines, and some recommendations on how to address common scenarios and, and things that come up along the way. And when you have that, not only do your account managers and your team not feel like they have to run every little thing through you, they feel empowered to do that. You rest easy knowing that, okay, they know how to handle these things. I've told them how I want them handled. And if it's really hitting the fan and one of these things happens, you're going to know about it and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. If you think about it, if you run it the opposite way where you have to be involved in everything, you've created that, that micromanaging type office that no one wants to be micromanaged. And if you ask any leader, if they want to micromanage their team, they're like, heck no. But then a lot of times we do it because we're afraid to give up control. We're afraid to give decision-making ability to our team members. You know, we want them to come to us for everything because we feel like it's our business. We need to be making those decisions when at the same time, we also are, everyone wants to hire someone who's capable of making decisions. So you have to allow people to be leaders within their own role. But as you said, Melissa, set those boundaries of, here's where you can be a leader. Here's where you need to escalate. Absolutely. And this is also an opportunity where an experienced project manager can step in. If you do have maybe a younger team or a, a team that is still really developing their client management skills, or even just a large, a larger team, a team that's growing, a project manager can step in and they can help support your team. So now you as the agency owner just need to make sure that you and your project manager are on the same page. And your project manager should have that type of experience of managing deadlines, getting clients on board, keeping projects from dragging on, managing capacity. And then they can also be that person that your team is going to if they're running into issues or if they're feeling stuck. And then your project manager can handle what they can handle and then really only bring to you in your one weekly sit down or in your one meeting what they need to get your backup or feedback on. Yes, yes, I love that because the reality is if you want to grow your business, you have to get out of a lot of the day-to-day -day yourself as the business owner and you have to trust your team members to do, do the right things, to serve your clients, that you have the right positions on your team so that way your clients are being served the way that they should be and really step into that CEO role. And I do always tell people a lot of the times, and maybe you have a different opinion on this, is like, if you really love and value that client work, it's okay even the CEO to keep a small set of clients like to yourself, you know, where it is 20% of your time you're serving clients instead of 90% of your time. But because you have that 80% that you're a CEO, 
but you're staying involved. Um, you know, and if that's that's okay to build that and maybe eventually get out of the client work completely, but you don't have to rip that band-aid off if you love the client work because you probably do, because that's probably why you started the business. Yep. Yep. So true. So true. And I, I totally agree. I absolutely think it's okay to have, you know, still one or two clients where you're heavily involved in if it's work you love. And like you said, it probably is because that's why you started, you started the business or it's even okay. If you are, are maybe floating in through, you know, once a quarter you meet with certain clients and you're just kind of showing your face and, and mapping things out. If you love it, and it's efficiently done and it's benefiting everybody, go for it. It's the, it's the point where you're trapped in it, right? Like yes. it should be something where you can move in and out of if you need to, but you don't have to, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. All right. There's one other thing I want to cover before we start wrapping up for today. And this is something that I think you had mentioned and, you know, when we are talking offline, but the relationship between operations and profitability, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because as we start expanding our teams, one of the things I hear a lot is, well, I made more revenue this year, but my profits went down because I hired a team. So I have more expenses and, and everything. So tell us about this relationship between operations and profitability. For sure. So there's definitely some pricing, you know, structure that needs to be evaluated and making sure that your service offerings are properly priced, your team members are properly compensated. And a way to do that, though, is through operations, right? They really go hand in hand. And this comes down to very tactical things like time tracking. And you've heard me talk about earlier having a tight scope on your work. So when I say scope, I mean, what are the parameters of this project and what are the specific deliverables? When you are clear on that and your client is clear on that, then you can better price that service offering. I have certainly found where I've gone into an agency and they either weren't time tracking at all, or maybe not you know, kind of when they felt like it or certain things, or it was all kind of lump, like, oh, well, everybody just spent 45 hours in admin. What, what were we doing with that admin time? Um, but when we can get those clear deliverables and we can start time tracking and attaching it to that, we can see what is taking too much time. And coming back to that example I shared where we had these two account managers, one could do it in two hours while the other was taking four hours. That's an opportunity to streamline. Are there places where we can automate deliverables? So getting a really tightly defined scope and clear deliverables, getting rid of bloat, that's time consuming. You're paying team members to do things that really nobody's looking at. Um, we could be paying team members to do things that could really just be automated. Um, redundancies, sometimes I see um, this team member's doing it and then they pass it to this team member and they do something very similar. And at the end of the day, it's really all a wash. I see sometimes where we're spending a lot of time in Slack, um, a lot of messaging. And this is often because the agency owner does not have a strong project management system. Your project management system is where you should be doing a lot of um, collaborating and having conversations and updates on where projects are. I think we can get stuck in team meetings a lot of times. And really when we're just thinking about inefficiencies, what we're talking about is it's wasting money. We're spending money on things that are not moving the needle forward. They're not serving our clients. 
They're not sales oriented. They're not marketing oriented. They're not driving the business forward. And so what we need to do is get a really operationally sound agency, because when we don't have all of these inefficiencies and bloat and wasted time and all these team meetings, you're just automatically going to start to see improved profitability. Right. And that makes complete sense. And I have a question about the time tracking. So from an employee perspective, I think when people are like, oh, you need to track your time, they kind of see it as that micromanaging. They want to know that I'm working. They want to know like, okay, if they're paying me for 40 hours a week that I'm, you know, 40 hours of, of work and that whole thing of like, yeah, sometimes like, you might be paying someone 40 hours and they're not actually putting in 40 hours of work because there are those side conversations. There are those things where it's just like, okay, I need this like mental break and everything there. But I feel like from an employee perspective, they start to feel like it's kind of big brother-ish. So do you encourage time tracking all the time or kind of time tracking to be like, all right, we need to check what's going on. So for this particular project, let's track our time to make sure that things are running efficient for process improvements, things versus daily, or do you encourage daily all the time, time tracking? That's a really good question. So absolutely when it comes to process improvement time and um, that moment to evaluate your projects and your profitability. And really, I think even in an ongoing way, it's a good idea to be tracking your time. I, I myself track my time. In, in the agency, if I'm in my email, if I'm in a meeting, regardless of what I'm doing. But I do think there are some things we can do to make sure our team doesn't feel like this is an effort to micromanage them. And one thing the agency owner needs to keep in mind, and you already alluded to it, I have an employee, they work 40 hours a week. They're not going to track 40 hours of time. There are going, they need to use the bathroom. They need to eat lunch. Like you said, they, they're going to maybe forget to track because, you know, they got distracted in their email and, oh, I didn't turn on the timer. Even those moments where I, I'm in a meeting and then now I have to see what my next task is. Like there's going to be a couple of minutes where I'm even just shuffling around to, to see what my tasks are. So one, I think the agency owner needs to have that expectation that they're not going to see 40 hours clocked at the end of the week. That's, that's just not realistic. And sharing that with your team, that they're like, we understand there's going to be a little flex in here. There's going to be a little bit of wiggle room. And then sharing with them the intention behind it, that the idea here is we need to figure out what profitability is. We want to improve profitability. Tell me what's taking up too much of your time. What feels like a time suck? I think if you can involve them a little bit in the process, get some of their feedback and have some conversations with them, I think that will help them understand that this isn't an effort to make sure every minute of their time is spent working, 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 and that this is really an effort to improve the agency as a whole. And if you do get where you feel like things are going really well, then maybe you can get to where, okay, we're only going to spot check projects um, and check and make sure that we're staying on target here. And then that can kind of give people a break from feeling like they're constantly time tracking, but there's just a tremendous amount of value in knowing where, where your time is going. Yeah. I love that. And the thing about explaining the why being upfront and honest, you know, kind of that communication. Mm -hmm. So that way they really understand what's going on. It reminds me of uh way back in my time in corporate, we had this 
huge, massive spreadsheet that we needed our team members to go and record certain information and dates and times throughout projects. And the whole goal was to eventually have this automated, but we needed to figure out really what data are we using? You know, what, what can they use to automate it? But so we had to do it manually at first. And I was constantly having to go to my team to be like, all right, you're missing data here. Let's go fill this in. Like, I can't do what I need to do if I don't have the data. And it wasn't until I started presenting to my team, the same presentation I was presenting up to senior leadership, Mm. that they actually understood the purpose that I wasn't doing it just because like, I wanted them to do this busy work. It was here is how I'm using this data. Here is what I'm telling the leadership team that our team needs or what they're doing well, or look at this achievement, look at this thing that's not going great. Yeah, we had this project that took five times as long as normal, but it wasn't on us. It was, I could already tell you why this one took longer and, and everything. I knew I could go to this data and uh, to my team to say, hey, is there a problem going on with this project? Because it's been in this stage for a really long time and be able to proactively like help my team versus just always waiting to figure out, okay, is someone complaining d- to jump in? And it be- once they knew what I was doing with it and saw it, occasionally I might have to say, hey, this is blank. Can you fill that in? And normally it was like, oh my gosh, I thought I did that. I'm so sorry. Let me go and do that now where it was just like, you're busy. You thought you did something and you didn't versus them being like, let me just keep putting it to, down to the bottom of my to-do list because I don't mm. see the value. I don't see the purpose. Yes, getting their buy-in. And you know that data too can drive the next hire. If your designers are clocking crazy hours, we need another designer. Or if they're, you know, a, a group is your account managers are spending a ton of time on administrative type tasks. Well, maybe let's just bring in an admin and get that stuff off their plate. And then we can bring on a new client. So yes. it's just really powerful what you can do when you have that information and that data, and it will absolutely drive profitability. Yes, yes, exactly. All right, Melissa, well, we have to start wrapping up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Yes. So I hang out on LinkedIn. You can find me over there at Melissa V Morris, and then go to your agency authority.com slash call. If you're, if any of this is resonating with you, if you're wondering if maybe you've got some ops things going on or some of these red flags, you, you may feel like be going on in your agency, pop over there and schedule a call with me. I'd, I'd love to have a conversation with you and, and see if we can help you move past those operational barriers. Perfect. Thank you, Melissa. All right. My final question that I love to ask all my guests, we have all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our personal lives or our professional lives. So think of a leader or manager that stood out to you and share with us one thing about them. Yes. So I already have that person in mind. And the reason they stood out to me is really echoing a lot of our conversation is this manager made me feel empowered to make decisions. And he let me work in the way that was best for me. So years ago, when I was right out of college, I was in outside sales. So I was knocking on the doors and asking people to buy yellow pages advertising of all things. And it was very high stress. This was a time when yellow pages were definitely (laughs) very much becoming a thing of the past. I'm, I'm not so old that people were still readily using the yellow pages when I was selling this mess. Um, 
but it was very high pressure and they really wanted us. We, Oh, in the office at this time. And you had to collect so many business cards and, and this and that. And even at, you know, 25, when I was doing this job, I still had efficiency on the brain. And they, I remember one, one instance in particular that I think sums it up is they literally shoved everybody out of the office and they said, you had to go and sell. And I went home because I'm like, I can't go out and sell right now. I have things I need to prepare. I need to get ready. And I remember at one point my manager had called me and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm at home. <laughs> he's like, what you, what you doing at home? Like, I have to get these things prepared. I will be a better salesperson if I do this. You guys kicked me out of the office. So I came home. And he's like, all right, well, just don't tell the, the district manager that that's where you are when you come in later. And I can tell you, he gave me that trust and respect. And I wanted to deliver well from him. And I notoriously was in the top block of sales. Yeah, that that's awesome. It's one of those things when you actually trust your team members to do what they need to do, that you get those good results. Absolutely. And he let me work in the way that I needed to. Like he let me do the the legwork and the the things I needed in an office so that I could actually go out and sell way more effectively. Yes, that's great. All right, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line? Then let's talk and see how growing your team can help you master the art of hiring. Through bespoke hiring frameworks and comprehensive guidance, you will learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire and the skills needed to succeed. At Growing Your Team, women entrepreneurs and leaders work with us to help them expand their unique businesses by teaching them how to hire like a pro. Let's connect and see how we can help you. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart with jumpstart being all one word. And let's talk about how you can become a confident leader who hires right every single time.